And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, your trusted admin advisor, lover of all things small business and all-round good guy. That's what I'm going to position myself as this week. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking to an expert today about setting up a business. Now, we've talked about setting up a business before. We've talked about it in perspective of setting up in terms of business planning, bringing your idea to fruition, some marketing, some networking, how to really get it off the ground. But today's going to be an interesting program because it is relatively simple to register a business. It's relatively simple to put your ABN up there, start sending out invoices, start trading. Uh, But running your business as a sole trader, is it the best option for you? And a lot of people believe that, well, I'll just start small, I'll just start earning an income and I'll see how I go with that. But it's a good idea from the beginning to understand what the different business structures are in when you are setting up your business. You might be better off in terms of your business setup to actually be a company or to be a trust or to be some sort of partnership. It depends on what you do and, and what the best options are for you and also what your future is. You have to think about your succession planning as well. So today we're talking about some of the common business structures uh, that you should be considering when you're starting up, not just two years down the track when you've grown to a point where somebody says, taps you on the shoulder and goes, hey, you need to be thinking in terms of a tax perspective in a different structure. But we're actually going to talk about it from the perspective of starting out. So what is best for you? What suits you and what suits your business? So to help us here today, we've got Addie Pong from Small Business Legal Team. They're based in North Sydney. Welcome to the show today. Thank you, Alexi. Now, you're quite uh, quite astute at these sort of presentations. You do lots of fantastic small business education mm-hmm. yourself for your clients and surrounding businesses, don't you? Uh, yes, we do. So... Um I'll probably the name says it all. So we focus with working with small business and we all also believe that um, having the information out there is very important um, so that people actually can proactively do, you know, know what's the compliance requirements in terms of legals or even sometimes we partner up with other service providers such as accountants, uh, mortgage brokers. So it's kind of a, um, what, what we do is kind of a bit of a mix so they're pretty much small business they know um, where they're at, things that they have to watch out for. Mm. Um, and at, at the end of the day, small business is all about business. So it's we, the approach we take is not that I'll oh, be giving you legal knowledge. It's more about giving you business knowledge, but mm. more specialising in the legal field. Yeah, I think, and mm-hmm. it's really lovely. I like the term business advisor. I think it's been... I think it's been piggybacked and and jumped on too much by accountants and financial planners when the rest of us out there, your bookkeepers in the world, the legal team, the people that you surround yourself with, good people, they are all your business advisors. And it's really refreshing to see um, someone such as yourselves looking at the importance of business education, not just for your clients. I mean, it's not just just about making your clients successful and nobody else, but actually the broader business community. So thank you for being one of those people that's passionate about small business education. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) Flying the flag. You always find people to share the you know, same thoughts and ideas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So welcome to the show. Now, so today we're going to be covering, uh, talking about the actual structure and setting up your business. Now, we do talk about this on the show a little bit in terms of the transition. So everyone is, I think, quite familiar with the process of being a sole trader at the beginning and then transitioning into a PTYLTD when you get to a certain size because in terms of tax, it's more effective to become a PTYLTD to pay less tax because you pay company tax instead of your own personal tax. There's also liability things there as well. Now, we'll cover that in a second, but why do you think it is important for a business to be aware right in the beginning all about business structures? 
Well, I think business structure is probably one of those first few questions that, that you really have to answer. Um, it's the, from day one when you start trading, um, you obviously require business structure. So it's important to know um, what your goals are for your business so that mm. you can really choose the right structure. It's funny how a lot of people come, come to us and kind of say, well, you know, what was the best structure? Um, so we always say, look, there's no such thing as the best structure. There's the structure that most suits you. Uh, it's almost like choosing a car. So obviously, uh, you, if you've got family, you won't be choosing a two-door sports car and vice versa. So <laughs> it's all, all, always about what suits your requirements. Um, and so, like you mentioned, there's obviously there's three main consideration when we go into business structures. There's tax implications of that particular structure, mm-hmm. um, asset protection. So certain structure might offer better protection than other structure. Not, Just, can I stop yeah. you there? When you say assets, are you yeah. talking about people's personal assets like their home or are you talking about yes, business Yes, that's assets? correct. So it can be both personal and business as well. So we'll probably talk about a bit more um, in the show today. So certain um, structures, say, say you're a sole trader, pretty much you're putting your own personal asset out mm. there as well. So any third party can make a claim against your personal asset um, even though it's relating to your business debt. Um, so asset protection is one consideration. And finally, the third one, obviously, is the cost of setting up the structure. So how much it costs to set up structure and how much it costs to continue that particular structure. So there's always compliance costs um, during the end of financial statements. Um, and so those three things are pretty much what um, people look at, at at the very start. Um, but obviously every business is different. There'll be other considerations as well, but those are pretty much the three guidelines in terms of choosing a structure. Now, typically when people who are not surrounded by good business advisors, mm. such as yourself, they might turn around and say, well, I'll just start out and I'll <clears throat> make it all my personal income. And then when I get to a certain size, I guess someone will come along and tell me I need to be a PTYLTD because it's more tax effective. That's generally the way people fumble along. Can you give me a couple of examples where you think being a PTYLTD in the beginning, becoming a company in the beginning or perhaps one of the other uh, other structures is more beneficial to someone, even though they haven't even perhaps raised a dollar for their for their business. Can you give an example yep. of those? Sure. So, it like you mentioned, it kind of comes down to um, what their plans are for the business from day one. Obviously, if your plan is simply just to have a regular income, um, you're not really looking at expanding, then sole trader might might do the work for you but um these days that there's a lot of you know very ambitious business owners from day one they might be one of those what they call a tech startups where the aim is really to grow the business to get more people involved um maybe down the track having more business partners um potentially in uh, try to attract some investors into the business as well so if you start off as a sole trader it's very difficult to do those things obviously you can't um, introduce business partners to a sole trader, uh, financial statements. Um, and so those three things are pretty much what um, people look at, at at the very start. Um, but obviously, every business is different. There'll be other considerations as well. But those are pretty much the three guidelines in terms of choosing a structure. Now, typically, when people who are not surrounded by good business advisors, mm. such as yourself, they might turn around and say, well, I'll just start out and I'll <clears throat> make it all my personal income. And then when I get to a certain size, I guess someone will come along and tell me I need to be a PTYLTD because it's more tax effective. That's generally the way people fumble along. Can you give me a couple of examples where you think being a PTYLTD in the beginning, becoming a company in the beginning or perhaps one of the other 
other structures is more beneficial to someone, even though they haven't even perhaps raised a dollar for their for their business. Can you give an example yep. of those? Sure. So, it like you mentioned, it kind of comes down to um, what their plans are for the business from day one. Obviously, if your plan is simply just to have a regular income, um, you're not really looking at expanding. Then sole trader might might do the work for you. But um, these days, uh, there's a lot of you know, very ambitious business owners from day one they might be one of those what they call a tech startups where the aim is really to grow the business to get more people involved um, maybe down the track having more business partners um, business structure is probably one of those first few questions that, that you really have to answer um, it's the from day one when you start trading um, you obviously require business structure so it's important to know um, what your goals are for your business so that mm. you can really choose the right structure. It's funny how a lot of people come come to us and kind of say, well, you know, what was the best structure? Um, so we always say, look, there's no such thing as the best structure. There's the structure that most suits you. Uh, it's almost like choosing a car. So obviously, uh, you, if you've got family, you won't be choosing a two-door sports car and vice versa. So <laughs> it's all, all, always about what suits your requirements. Um, and so, like you mentioned, there's obviously there's three main consideration when we go into business structures. There's tax implications of that particular structure, mm-hmm. um, asset protection. So certain structure might offer better protection than other structure. Not, Just, can I stop yeah. you there? When you say assets, are you yeah. talking about people's personal assets, like their home, or are you talking about yes, business assets? Yes, that's correct. So it can be both personal and business as well. So we'll probably talk about a bit more um, in the show today. So certain um, structures, say, say you're a sole trader, pretty much you're putting your own personal asset out mm. there as well. So any third party can make a claim against your personal asset, um, even though it's relating to your business debt. Um, so asset protection is one consideration. And finally, the third one, obviously, is the cost of setting up the structure. So how much it costs to set up structure and how much it costs to continue that particular structure. So there's always compliance costs um, doing the end of financial statements. Um, and so those three things are pretty much what um, people look at, at at the very start. Um, but obviously every business is different. There'll be other considerations as well, but those are pretty much the three guidelines in terms of choosing a structure. Now, typically when people who are not surrounded by good business advisors, mm. such as yourself, they might turn around and say, well, I'll just start out and I'll <clears throat> make it all my personal income. And then when I get to a certain size, I guess someone will come along and tell me I need to be a PTY LTD because it's more tax effective. That's generally the way people fumble along. Can you give me a couple of examples where you think being a PTY LTD in the beginning, becoming a company in the beginning or perhaps one of the other uh, other structures is more beneficial to someone, even though they haven't even perhaps raised a dollar for their for their business. Can you give an example yep. of those? Sure. So, it like you mentioned, it kind of comes down to um, what their plans are for the business from day one. Obviously, if your plan is simply just to have a regular income, um, you're not really looking at expanding, then sole trader might might do the work for you but um, these days uh, there's a lot of you know, very ambitious business owners from day one they might be one of those what they call a tech startups where the aim is really to grow the business to get more people involved um, maybe down the track having more business partners um, potentially in, uh, try to attract some investors into the business as well so if you start off as a sole trader it's very difficult to do those things obviously you can't um, introduce business partners to a sole trader um, in terms of raising capital it's very difficult because you can't um, issue shares mm. to raise capital um, to funding so 
it, it really comes down to um, I guess where you want to say in two or three years time if, if your plan is really to grow your business then probably being a company would be the best way to go from day one um, and the other issues as well is that when you start a business you tend to incur most of your costs um, at the very start so True. so say if you operate as a sole trader from day one you incur all those costs but and then you transition into a company just say one year down the track then unless you've already used up all your you know you're very profitable and used up all your um, losses in the first year otherwise it's either you have to you know let go of those losses and change into new structure but you know that that doesn't really make sense for business to not be able to um, offset the loss against the future profits so um, all, all those are part of the consideration um, and other example of other structures that you might use as well are uh, a trust structure where I guess to understand trust is essentially you have someone who you call a trustee can be either a company or a individual who runs and operates the business um, but the actual asset and income goes into a trust um, that's very common these days, especially in a just say small business family circumstances that they, they operate a, under family trust where essentially the, they want the person to benefit or other family members. Can I ask you a question on that? Because um, obviously trusts have been in the news um, quite a bit in mm-hmm. the last 12 months because I think was it the federal government was cracking down on the number of trusts that were allowed to be set up. Now, mm. if people are dodgy, is that because they're setting up a trust so that their children who are the beneficiaries who might be five or six years old don't pay tax mm-hmm. therefore the income goes into the trust fund and therefore they're not paying tax on it because it's in the kids names is that kind of a dodgy way of looking yeah, at it so that's one um one concern i guess from the ato perspective is that where people name beneficiaries purely to use their tax-free bracket mm-hmm. so essentially it's just say one 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 um, child has $18,000, then essentially it's not really for the benefit of put, um, you know, have, having, um, I guess, assets for them in the future, but it's more just simply using the, the, the tax-free tax free threshold. threshold. Yeah. Um, I think that's the main crackdown on the trust, but obviously if it's a for a genuine purpose, yep. um, then you know, it's still a very feasible structure. You said before that it's about the assets and the income. Are we talking that uh, the assets or any sort of large capital equipment or something that you may purchase is mm. bought in the name of the trust. Yes, that's correct. So just say if you operate a cafe and you end up buying the actual shop itself, mm. then the the trust will be the actual owner of the shop. So, um, and then the, that that can move from obviously to um, the beneficiary within the trust itself. So beneficiary within the trust itself. So. It kind of, uh, if in, in the same scenario, if you're buying as a sole trader, then the, the, the shop will be under your own name. And in the future, if you want to transfer that to your children, then there might be a second payment of stamp duty. So, ah, um, okay. yeah, so having the trust is really, uh, I guess, have the benefit of being able to distribute those assets or even income itself, so income from the business, you can distribute those to your children as well. So it gives you that flexibility in terms of how you want to move those assets and income within the trust. So you mentioned before the cafe, that could be a scenario if you're quite asset heavy to begin mm-hmm. with when you're setting up, uh, perhaps a sole trader is not the best yeah. <laughs> scenario yes. in the beginning. There's also one big thing to consider as well, which is, um, and this is, I guess, something for people who are involved in the construction industry or people who are involved with machinery and slightly higher risk jobs. If you're a sole trader, you can't employ yourself and therefore you're not covered by workers' compensation. 
So you, you as an entity can't be an entity of the entity, mm-hmm. so you're the sole trader, you're it. So a lot of people, I guess, would consider becoming a PTYLTD company at the beginning because they can employ themselves, put themselves on payroll for the purposes of insuring themselves with workers' comp. Would that be an accurate description yeah, as well? Yeah, so, so that's correct. So um, having that company structure is really, I guess, um, make the clear distinction between yourself and the business. So if you work in, in a company structure, then like you say, you're almost an employee of your own business. You can have the benefit of those worker compensation. And likewise, um, it's kind of have that really clear cut. And some, sometimes I guess with sole traders, um, people almost sometimes muddle up between our personal assets, um, business assets, business income, personal income. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, that's another benefit of having a company, just having that clear cut between what's personal and what's business. Now, having said that, though, you know, as a, from a bookkeeping perspective, mm-hmm. it's not that you can't separate that income out. It's mm-hmm. simply just about being strict with yourself yes. and, and, you know, making sure you're using the right credit cards at it's the right time. the mindset, knowing yeah. which, which is which. Yes, yes. And, yes. That, and the golden rule that the, the bank balance is not your cash flow. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody needs to learn how to read yes. a balance sheet. That's very important. Look, we might just take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters and uh, we'll listen to some community service announcements. We're here with uh, Addy Pong talking about business structures and the importance of understanding how they all work when you're setting up your business. Um, And in fact, those of you out there who are my regular listeners who've been listening for a couple of years and are going, oh, damn, I'm already two two years down the track. We're going to talk to you as well in terms of how you can um, better structure your business or understand this information fully. You are here with Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1. My name is Alexi Boyd. I'll be back after this. So today on the show, we've got Addy talking all about uh, business structures and the importance of understanding how they all work. Because when you are setting up a business, that is probably the time you actually need to be considering it. And like all things, when we're setting up a business, it's the time we are least likely to be thinking about the future. So we touched on before the break, Addy, a little bit about um, just the different types of structures. Of course, people are fairly familiar with the difference between a sole trader and a PTY LTD and the reason why you might consider being a PTY LTD in the beginning, perhaps if you've got assets, quite a lot of them, or you need to think about a trust structure um, to think about future income for your children, for example. Well, we haven't talked about partnerships. So can you explain to me, um, because I get a bit confused about this as well, partnerships, how they work, um, what the difference is between that and a company. Uh, can you explain a little bit yeah, about that? So, par- partnership um, essentially is almost like... The difference between a sole trader and a PTY LTD and the reason why you might consider being a PTY LTD in the beginning, perhaps if you've got assets, quite a lot of them, or you need to think about a st- trust structure um, to think about future income for your children, for example. Well, we haven't talked about partnerships so can you explain to me, because um, I get a bit confused about this as well, partnerships, how they work, um, what the difference is between that and a company. Uh, can you explain a little bit yeah, about that? So pa- partnership um, essentially is almost like a sole trader, but it's where there's more than one of you and then you want to come together to start a business. So it's kind of like a bit of a in-between a sole trader and a company. Um, a partnership is where pretty much just say there's more than two or three of you coming together and all you need is essentially a partnership agreement saying this is how we go operate the business, who are responsible for what. Um, they sign on to a partnership agreement and then they pretty much operate a business um, as several individuals. Um, but there's a few, um, I guess, things that you have to bear in mind when you're using a partnership. So 
it's very common for people to interchange the terms of we've got a few business partners does that mean partnership well that in that context it can either be a partnership or it can be a company where there's their various shareholders but um while talking about partnerships so the main thing that you have to bear in mind is with partnerships unlike a company it's you're still personally liable for the business debts and liabilities so essentially if there's any liability issues then there's say there's two or three of you then each of you will be what they call jointly and severally liable for that debt so each of you will be equally liable for for the business debt in a personal way in that's a personal important. way yeah. yes, okay that's and you know what just come back to what you said at the beginning i love the way you said <laughs> this made sense to me perfectly mm-hmm. in an instant it is a bunch of sole traders mm-hmm. coming together to form a partnership Yes, that really helps because I think people understand the liability that's that's intrinsically linked with being a sole trader. And what you're saying is, there's, there's still the liability issues. It doesn't that doesn't remove anything. And then there's just an agreement with how to operate together. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. So I think yeah. So uh, that's probably the easiest way to understand partnerships. Is pretty much you're almost like operating as a sole trader. Everything's um, kind of linked between your business and your personal assets. Uh, but like I say, there's consideration such as cost, and that might be one reason why people prefer a partnership because it's easier to set up. You, there's no registration fee. All you need is just one agreement. One agreement. Um, and from a tax perspective, a partnership is a separate entity, so there's um, annual returns for partnership. But from a legal perspective, um, it's not a legal entity as such. Everything's kind of jointly owned and uh, between the um, partners. So. I think that's the main characteristic of a partnership is pretty much a like um, we say a bunch of sole traders coming together and operating a business together. And when you say the beginning, obviously we always talk about uh, being very organised and having agreements in place. Very, very important when you're setting mm. up a business, especially. We've got a bunch of sole traders coming together and they're signing an agreement. What do you tend to find uh, people want? How do they split it up? How do they sort of carve up um, who does what? What's a typical scenario? Yes. So it's some sometimes in the business you might have certain people who are the expertise are in marketing. Some people might have the expertise in the actual operation of the business. Some in the management of the business. So sometimes in those agreements, it's kind of really defining each partner's main responsibility within the business. So they kind of set out oh, your main responsibilities um, to, to conduct all the marketing for the business. That way, I think it's kind of uh, make sure everyone's on the same page um, from day one. A, a, lot, a lot of the disputes or you know, issues that comes with business where people doesn't really um, understand who's responsible for what and then obviously after some time they might you know have concern that um, certain partners might not be carrying their own weight for the business so having an agreement of such will kind of eliminate that kind of concern because everyone's very clear exactly oh my responsibility to this business is a b c d e and and that's that's the way to go and that way if there's any disputes later on about who's done what then you can actually, if you can go back to the agreement and say, well, this is what we agreed. Mm -hmm. Do you find that um, it's not only responsibilities but also time or is that more of a situation where you might have shareholders in a company rather than a partnership? Is Mm -hmm. it partnership tend to be always equal? So three partners, 33% each? Yeah, so partnership tends to be um, a equal ownership of the business. So like you say, almost like if it's four divided up by four, um, whereas a company, you can more easily define um, ownership based on the shares. It might be 100 shares. One might have 90, one has 10. Um, it also kind of clearer because with company, you can have 
certain shareholders who pretty much has no active part in the business. So they might not be the director, they're simply shareholders. Um, so a company kind of has that additional level where some might simply invest um, for a return of money, um, where certain other um, individuals might be the directors who actually operate the business, who doesn't even have to be an owner of the business itself. So mm. it gives you that kind of um, different options within a company to define the person's responsibility. So it doesn't tend to happen in a partnership where someone is necessarily uh injecting capital but not actually actively participating that doesn't tend to happen in a partnership can they just be like is that what a silent partner is yes so you can um that option is still there but it's not that common within partnership because Mm. of the actual structure and how it operates Um, it makes it more difficult whereas um, a, a a company you can clearly divide up the, the shares and and you can even have different classes of shares as well. So um, with companies, sometimes investors might have what they call a uh, a preference shares. So they they invest in the company. They don't have act, active part, when, but when it comes to dividends, they have the first dip of the dividends. So that's what they call preference shares, where you get the first dip of the of the payment of dividends. So it kind of that gives you that those kind of options where you can play around to make it more suitable. To to your particular business. But you can't do that in a partnership. It's more like carving up a yes, pie. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Can you employ people under a partnership scheme? Uh, yes, you can. So, um, funnily enough, partnership is actually the most common within professional service. So, Consultants. Um, consultants, mm-hmm. um, law firms, accounting firms. Because you do find a lot of times with creative people, not to pick on creative people mm-hmm. out there, but creative people tend to need a business development person. So you'll have one person being mm-hmm. the creative, the, the, like yes. you said, the, the operations person, and then the other one is all about the sales, the marketing, the the development, the business silent partner is? Yes, so you can. um, That option is still there, but it's not that common within partnership because Mm. of the actual structure and how it operates. Um, It makes it more difficult, whereas um, a a, a company, you can clearly divide up the shares and and you can even have different classes of shares as well. So um, with companies, sometimes investors might have what they call a uh, a preference shares, so they they invest in the company. They don't have act- active part, when, but when it comes to dividends, they have the first dip of the dividends. So that's what they call preference shares, where you get the first dip of the of the payment of dividends. So it kind of that gives you that those kind of options where you can play around to make it more suitable to your particular business. But you can't do that in a partnership. It's more like carving up a yes, pie. That's correct. Yeah. Can you employ people under a partnership scheme? Uh, yes, you can. So. Um, funny enough, partnership is actually the most common within professional service. So, consultants, um, consultants, mm-hmm. um, law firms, accounting firms. Because you do find a lot of times with creative people, not to pick on creative people out mm-hmm. there, but creative people tend to need a business development person. So you'll have one person being mm-hmm. the creative, the, the like yes. you said, the, the operations person, and then the other one is all about the sales, the marketing, the the development, the business development, and that's how they come together. They kind of yin and yang together. Yes. They they kind of one person's strength is the other person's weakness, um, and that's sort of a scenario where you see it more happening in a partnership situation, right? Yes. So that that can happen in partnership and company as well. So you can have different um, shareholders who has different expertise to contribute to the business. Um, but partnership, I guess, it's in the nature where partners within partnership tends to have more active part in the in the business. Mm. Um, whereas company, they, they can always have, there tends to be some who are active um, operators and others might be investors. So that kind of the more 
the tendency these days when it comes to company. So with the sole trader, because I'm sorry, with the company uh, partnership, partnership with the partnership, because it's a bunch of sole traders coming together. Again, they are not covered by workers' comp because they're not employing themselves. Am I correct in assuming that? Um, this point, I'm actually not 100 percent sure in terms of um, whether workers' comp will cover those. Um, individual partners. Um, but if they're just in consulting situation, then it's not actually all that crucial yes, compared to something it, like... It might be. They're, they're, in those cases, um, like, yeah, it's something that they probably check with the um, insurance um, experts. But um, it may well be a case that they might not be covered under workers' common. They might have to find other options that might cover their... their their um, potential exposure or Things potential like key, harm. key man yeah. insurance. I think yeah. there's always an insurance yeah. out there, there to, to yeah. cover you. <laughs> These days there's so many insurance, um, not just workers' comp, even uh, business risk insurance, um, professional indemnity. So uh, I would imagine there will be some form of insurance that will cover partnership, but obviously that will be something for an um, insurance expert to um, provide those assistant to those partnership owners. So imagine that you've been plodding along as a sole trader. Um, You've been existing for a couple of years. Your accountant comes along, taps you on the shoulder and says, okay, it's time to change your structure for taxation Mm -hmm. purposes. Um, That's a relatively straightforward process apart from the cost of, um, I think there's set up fees with ASIC and then you've got to pay for your accountant Mm -hmm. to change. I believe it's around anywhere between maybe 1,500 to 2,500, depending on how big your accounting firm is. Uh, (laughs) But, and, and what, how many other complications you need to add into that when you're creating your company. What are the potential problems um, and costs that you face if uh, if you have to change your structure down the track because it didn't suit your business needs in the beginning? So apart from those costs, which I guess would have been there in the first place anyway, um, then there's also the time of setting up new bank accounts and um, putting together a new ABN, all that sort of stuff. Apart from the time, what are the other associated costs with not choosing the right one in the beginning? Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, if you're running an operator company, those costs will be regardless of whether you do it from day one or day 100, you still have to incur those costs in terms of setting up the company. The other com- main complication in the transition is, say you're a sole trader, you have already have a bunch of contracts with with suppliers, you might have a lease with the landlord, um, have mm. employee contracts. Um, when it comes to transition, pretty much because you are operate, you'll be operating under a different entity. Um, you have to renegotiate, or you have to at least change the actual con- contracting party to those agreements. So that might be something that would be, you know, slightly. It might be time consuming. You might need a lawyer to assist you um, to make sure that you know everything's properly transferred to the company. So I think those are uh, one is you know all, all those contractual um, relationship needs to be updated. Um, secondly, if there's by any chance you have purchased any um, real property, been any land, any shop, those um, then there's potentially you will be required to pay stamp duty on on that. Oh, um, the transition between yes. one entity and the other. Yes, that's correct. So um, re- in the past few years, so they, they abolished the business um, stamp duty in terms of changing business assets from A to B. But when it comes to real property, you, you still have to pay stamp duty, even though that you might be the owner of the company, um, but changing from your name to your company's name for a particular property, then you might still have to be required to pay stamp duty. So those other things where you almost 
have to double dip because you didn't choose the right structure for, at the start. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think those are probably the most significant part of the restructuring um, process is um, really making sure everything goes from one to the other, but in between that there might be certain expenses um, that, that you have to incur. And let's not underestimate the amount of um, time that it takes. Yes. I mean, I've, I've had clients, many clients who have transitioned between sole trader to PTY LTD who completely underestimate even just the simple act of going to the bank and finding the time to go and set up different bank accounts, closing those off, informing your clients. So you've got to, you know, due diligence, making sure they're not paying into the old bank account. And when they do, what's your process? You've got to keep that bank account open because you don't want them to incur any fees because they've paid into the wrong bank account because you forgot to tell them. So it's actually quite um, a process-driven situation. That, that's correct. Yeah, so it's almost you have to having to make a whole checklist of everything that you have right now and then moving that to another entity so it's funny sometimes i've come across cases to say where there's a lease there's a shop uh, where people might have transitioned their actual business into a company but they end up having the shops still under their own name so it's it's one of those things where you're doing the changing you just have to make sure that everything are done properly otherwise if the list is still under your own name, then you can still be sole trader in the terms in the fact that I've got employees, I've got mm-hmm. capital, I've, I want to I want to restructure my business into a PTYL today. What's your ideal as an expert lead in time? Because I know from a bookkeeping perspective, I want this to happen on the first of July, <laughs> <laughs> not any other time. So, what's your ideal um, time frame for people to approach a legal advisor about yes. that? So, uh, I think there's two two steps. So, first of all, when they come to us, they we probably have to spend a bit of time just to understand what needs to be done. So I would say definitely if, if you're planning to change, then at least give yourself you know, a month or two. The main reason is because the renegotiating process for those contracts, it might not even come in from your end. The delay might be from the other side. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty it's better to give you more time than less, especially if you're working towards a deadline, maybe end of financial year, then at least plan ahead, maybe a month or two at the very least to just to make sure everything's done before the actual um, end date. And because we're all about practical strategies here yes. on Small Biz Matters, can you tell me ideally what you would like the perfect client to walk in with? What's the list of stuff you'd want them to have prepared for such a meeting with yourself? Yes, yeah, so... I would say, um, first of all, you have to make a checklist of all your um, all your assets. So, clearly identify whether you have a vehicle, whether you have a house, what kind of equipments that you have that's under your um, current business name. Um, when you say business name, if you're a sole trader, it's really your, what assets yeah, you yeah. have as a person, yes. I guess, because you have to consider whether which of those are going to be. Because yes. it gets complicated if people are living in a shop in which they want to transfer the lease across, mm-hmm. but they're also living in it. That kind yes. of all gets tied up, doesn't it? So when I say business name in terms of the sole trader, but under their business. Trading as, uh, yeah. As, trading as yes so um things that they own and pretty much they set out all the current arrangement that they have so with suppliers with employees with um customers um so yeah so it's pretty much it's it's really more a administrative task just making sure you have all the information there so that when we do move it across then we you know we won't miss anything won't, won't be a case where after a month where pretty much 90 percent everything is done all of a sudden i'll realize oh there's a big contract that i've totally forgot and now we have to go back and renegotiate into the company so yeah so i'll, I'll say just 
having um, a, a, a checklist of everything that's within your business, that will be a pretty good starting point. And, and of course, not anything that's been done on a handshake, right? That's your that, favourite that, word. That's correct. <laughs> so, um, well, it might be a good time if it's on the handshake while you're restructuring to maybe put that in paper. Yeah, that's yes. a thought. Let's <laughs> actually get it down, written down. Um, look, you're listening to Small Biz Matters. My name is Alexi Boyd, and we're talking all about business structures here today. Now, we're just going to take a quick break, and after we come back, we're going to talk about uh, five quick questions to ask yourself that will help you decide on the best time and the best type of structure for your business. So you are listening to Small Biz Matters and Triple H 100.1 FM. We will be back after this. So you are listening to Small Biz Matters at the moment. We're talking about business structures here with me, Alexi Boyd and Addie Pong. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, the, the five things that uh, five things to ask yourself when you're trying to decide uh, between the right business structure. So let's, let's go through some of those things because I think it's quite good to envisage, we've talked about on the show today, the different types of business structures, particularly the, the confusing ones like partnerships, how do they work, um, and the way to transition between one and the other. What do you need to have prepared for your legal team when you go and talk to them? So what sort of questions should you be asking yourself? Yes, yeah, so um, I think this checklist is pretty much things that um, I've come across from people that I work with and the kind of questions that they have. So there's a few obvious one so there's the, I've probably talked about five today so the first one here is what, what are your plans for your business whether it's really something that you're deciding to run solo that you know saying you don't see having other business partners down the track then um, then solo trader might be the way to go for you because um, you, there's there's no need for you to um, expand the structure to incorporate new um, owners but whereas if from day one you really see yourself the business has been expanding and having other business coming on board then it might be a good idea to have a structure that actually allows you to do this um, from day one because you never know opportunities might come up any time um, it might be six months it might be 12 months where you find the right business partner and they want to jump in but you, you don't have the structure in place for them to easily um, join your business which might be a bit of a headache because um, especially if having good business partners they always look for good opportunities and they might not wait around for you know a a few months well, for you to restructure. Should, it's funny you should say that, actually, because we had a, a succession planner come on the show a few weeks ago, and his expertise was all about being flexible. And what mm -hmm. people love about buying into small business is their agility and their ability to change quickly and, and, and take on. But if you don't have the right structure in place, then that delay can actually often miss out on an opportunity which might present itself. That's a good that, point. That's correct, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. So... Um, some, some, that's why sometimes with business structure, it's not just about what you need right now. It's almost what you need in the future and whether that, you know, at least I guess you have to look maybe three or four years down the track where you see your business go ahead. Uh, so that's one consideration. Uh, secondly, uh, it would be whether your your intention for your business is really to grow your business because obviously growth isn't for everyone because if my business is really just almost like a substitute for my for my salaries it's almost like a just a job for me then growth isn't something really high on my agenda whereas for other business growth is probably everything that they care about growing the business getting bigger getting more traction um, and in those cases more than likely then you probably need someone to assist you by funding your business then having a structure that enables you to allow funders to come in easily either by buying your shares or um, so 
those cup options are only available under certain structure where it's not under a structure, say a sole trader, then uh, that's one another consideration. Make sure that you have the structure in place that allows you to grow if that's something that you want for your business. Also, the actual fact that when you do that transition that your accountant says, okay, it's time to become a PTY LTD, if you drag your feet on that, you're, you're paying extra tax unnecessarily for X number of months that it takes you to finally get that bank account open or to finally make that transition in your accounting software. It, it can take some time and um, why pay tax unnecessarily? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, every delay can cost, you, can cost you money, can cost you opportunities. So... Uh, that's why they have business risk because if yes. that property is in your name, then you are opening yourself up to losing that with through liability. That, that, that's correct. So business risk will be both risk for the business and yourself. So um, some and it's part like we say partnership sole trader. Essentially, any any, any contractual party can have a um, make a claim against all personal assets. So that's something that I guess you have to uh, kind of decide from day one. What was your level of risk that you're willing to take? Um, if your your preference is to make sure that business is business, whether you know if anything goes wrong, you still limit your um, risk to your um, business assets or anything um, with the business. Just to say, if you doesn't do well, then just wind wind up the business. Mm. Then at least at the very least, your personal assets won't get. Um, mingled up with all those creditors so but there's no guarantees there is there you still need to have um because if you're a 100 percent director mm-hmm. you've still got that liability if there's any professional misconduct yes yeah, so example. so with company there's certain exceptions where direct Half, what does that mean for the space in which i work what does that mean for having to buy extra equipment um and all of that should be wrapped up into what Am I still in the right structure for me when in six months' time my business is about to explode? Yes, that's correct. So um, they always say when you start a business, it's not just about um, how you start. It's almost you're planning how it will end as well. So um, your your ultimate goal, it might be a case where you want to set up a business, it becomes very successful and you sell it for, for to make a profit out of the actual sale. In other cases, it might be a family business where you really want to build a business where you, your children will inherit that business. So that, that having knowing what your ultimate goal is will also help you decide how you want to structure your business as well. Um, like we mentioned before, it might be under a trust situation where your children are the beneficiaries. So ultimately, it will be easier for you to transition from yourself as an owner to to the children taking over the business as well. So it's that that's another obviously a very important consideration. Planning the ultimate you know objective of your business is almost a, a step where it's not even about the intermediate as to how your business operates, whether it's profitable or not. It's almost deciding, uh, all right, ultimately my business I want to achieve this a sale, a in or a passing on of a business or other things that you might have in mind. So that's um, that's one big consideration as to how you want to structure a business. And it's something that small businesses, particularly uh, those who are a sole trader or, or working alone, they just don't think of it. They just yes. don't think of it until it happens and opportunity lands in their lap and then all of a sudden they've got to be agile. We talk about how agile we are and what, what's one of our strengths of small business, but in order to have that agility, you have to have that forward planning and you need to have the right business structure behind you. Yes, that's correct. So it's all about planning ahead. Um, business structure is obviously one, one of those things. But with business, end of day, anything you have to plan ahead. You have to for, be able to foresee what's coming, and it's always be always be 
prepared than you know being sorry when the things comes around and you, you don't have a I guess a, a a plan to how to deal with those situations. Exactly. Yeah. Look, it's been an absolutely fascinating show today. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Addy. Do you want to give us a quick plug for your website and tell us about the event that you've got coming up on the twentieth? Sure. Of March? Thanks. Um, so. Uh, you can find out more about us on www.smallbusinesslegal.biz um, and we're running a half-day workshop on 20th of this month. So essentially it's a, a workshop for small business owners where we'll be covering certain issues that they always have to confront on a day-to-day basis with employees, suppliers, customers. So that half-day workshop is really just to get them prepared for those situations. So if you're if you're um, interested, always feel free to contact us and you can always um, contact me directly by email as well at epon at smallbusinesslegal.biz. Excellent. And um, you can, of course, find out more via your website. And, of course, do you have a LinkedIn profile as well to connect up with? Adam? Yes. Um, um, again, it's fantastic to have a, a wonderful business advisor slash someone who's passionate about his business education as we are here on Small Biz Matters. Great. Look, thank you again for joining us on the program. We will be back next week, everyone. We are in the middle of a guest fest at the moment, so I believe we have another guest with you. But if you have only just tuned in, you've listened to part of the show and you'd like to listen to the rest in the next few days, it will be available on the Small Biz matters.com.au website just go to the blogs and podcasts page you can listen to all 250 of our interviews with a myriad of business experts and of course myself alexi boyd your local admin expert thanks for joining us this week we will see you all next week this is small biz matters the half hour program where you work on your business rather than in it on triple h 100.1 fm so essentially it's a a workshop for small business owners where we'll be covering certain issues that they always have to confront on a day-to-day basis with employees, suppliers, customers. So that half-day workshop is really just to get them prepared for those situations. So if you're if you're um, interested, always feel free to contact us and you can always uh, contact me directly by email as well at epon at smallbusinesslegal.biz. Excellent. And um, you can, of course, find out more via your website. And, of course, do you have a LinkedIn profile as well to connect up with? Adam? Yes. Um, um, again, it's fantastic to have a, a wonderful business advisor slash someone who's passionate about his business education as we are here on Small Biz Matters. Great. Look, thank you again for joining us on the program. We will be back next week, everyone. We are in the middle of a guest fest at the moment, so I believe we have another guest with you. But if you have only just tuned in, you've listened to part of the show and you'd like to listen to the rest in the next few days, it will be available on the Small Biz matters.com.au website just go to the blogs and podcasts page you can listen to all 250 of our interviews with a myriad of business experts and of course myself alexi boyd your local admin expert thanks for joining us this week we will see you all next week this is small biz matters the half hour program where you work on your business rather than in it on triple h 100.1 fm